I'm so happy to be here, and for all of you all that let me hug on you, thank you so much. I don't get to do that as much in Texas. People are like, get off me. Why are you trying to hug me? Um, so I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Jordan and I got in this city on uh, Thursday night really late, and then we've just gotten to do all kinds of fun stuff, and um, I would like you all to change your weather next time I come, please. I was, it was 75 when I left, and I had shorts on, and so I put my, took my shorts off and put my clothes on to go to the airport and uh, put our coats in the bag and did all that. So um, in Texas right now, it's cold in the morning, but by the time you get to the afternoon, you get to put your shorts back on. So you all are not in that phase right now. And this is even cold for New York, right? So, um, and, and we've had the fun ex New York experiences. Yesterday on the subway, um, we were sitting next to a lady and she thought that I had touched her stroller. I had not. I'm not stupid, I know, not to touch people's stuff. And she screamed at me um, not to touch her stroller. She said other things, but I'm not gonna repeat that in here. Anyway, and, um, and so, uh, you know, in Texas, when someone screams at me, it's through a car window and I just pretend what they're saying, right? Like, they're like, and I'm like, you're saying, oh, it's such a lovely day and I'm so glad to see you, right? I just make up what they're saying to me in Texas. But here you can hear it loud and clear. So um, it kind of jolted my daughter for a second. She was like, what was that about? I said, oh, that's New York. We're okay. So anyway, so we've had some fun experiences with the uh, people on the subway. Um, and then I realized I'm completely... Um, declimatized to New York because last night we were outside for like 10 minutes and I told Jordan I had to go in. So I, I'm a complete wuss now. I can't deal with it. So um, the cold, we're going to go back to, I think, 60s. So that'll be okay. That's what my body needs at this point. So anyway, um, if I've gotten to see you, I'm so glad I have. If I haven't, and I want to see you after church today. So please come and, and eat some of the food and spend some time, especially if I don't know you. I would love to meet you in person. If we've emailed or you're like, oh, well, I've, I've seen you or whatever, I would love to meet you in person. Person. Um, today, we, we're going to talk about a couple of things that God's really put on my heart. And you all know you don't hear from me that often. I don't preach that often um, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm, I'm physically not here. But even at that, Logan and I sort of have a deal that I don't preach till God tells me something really specific to say. And this has been on my heart for a while um, to talk to you all about. So, I want to ask a favor um, of, of us together, right, as church family. This sermon is probably going to make you a little bit uncomfortable, and I would like you to sit in that. Please don't try to move yourself out of the discomfort, right? So as you start to feel the unsettled and the uncomfortable, I would like for you to just stay there. Please don't try to work that out right now. Um, I, and, and the reason I say that is because I think God is driving us to a place of a little bit of discomfort together. I'm not asking you to do that by yourself, but he's driving us to a place of discomfort together. And I want to make sure that we stay there long enough to hear what he has to say to us in that spot. So I'm just going to ask you as you start to feel that a little bit, just kind of hone in on that. You're in a safe place. We love you. Nothing bad is going to happen to you here, so it's perfectly fine to just go ahead and feel that emotion. I'm going to talk to you this morning about following God and living our fullest life. And that sounds so trite, right? We say, oh yeah, follow God, live our fullest life. What does that mean? But really what I'm going to talk to you about is the couple of things that I think are hindering us from that as a church family and then individually. Um, and I talk to most of you all and, and we have sort of the same conversations over and over. And so I think the enemy has decided that there's some entry points to those of us in this church and in this community that he can use over and over. And then he builds off those, right? Because if I've got that and you've got that, then the enemy can make that even look bigger. Um, and so I want to look at that together about this idea of following God. So God has been saying two things to me. He's been saying, you're focused in the wrong place. I need you to quit focusing in and backwards 
and I need you to focus up and out. And I'm going to explain what that means. But I cannot tell you how many times I've written that down over the last four months. When God reveals things to me, I write it down or put it in the notes in my phone or whatever it is. That phrase, over and over and over. And so I thought it was for me, and it was. And I'll talk to you all about that. But then it also was for all of you all. And so he said, this is what I need LMCC to do. You are focused in the wrong place. Um, so I'm going to talk about a couple things of where I think he, what I think he's talking about that. Um, God's been really specific with me that we're either withering on the vine, right, or we're so stuck that we've been become focused in the wrong place. So I want to talk to you about a couple of concepts with that and what that might look like. Um, and I want you to think about that as we're talking today and as we go through the week, and we'll talk about that some more, but where is your focus? I want you to think about that so you can just already start trying to formulate that in your head. What am I focusing on? Where's the majority of my time spent? Or where's the majority of my anxiety sitting? Where's the majority of the, of the time I spend in my unguarded thoughts? So when, you're, when no one's occupying or vying for your time and you're just sitting alone, what's occupying your thoughts and your time? I want you to start to think about that. We're gonna talk about two concepts. We're gonna destroy the places that have us stuck and then we're gonna go forward. So I'm gonna talk about them in two parts. And the first part about it I wanna talk about is where we're stuck. This idea of being stuck sounds to us sometimes like it just means stuck in the bad. And I am going to talk about that. Stuck in the damage, stuck in the wreckage, stuck in the trauma. But we also can be stuck in the blessing. So let's pull those two things apart. We're going to talk about this idea of getting rid of the place that we're stuck, but also having restoration come into that same spot. So I'm not asking you to do one action. We'll, we're going to have to do two. And oh, by the way, you can't do that by yourself. This is where we've got to come in with the following God portion, right? The, what does that mean to let God into those spaces with us? So let me caveat by saying, I know we have things that have gone on in our life. We have family relationship problems. We have spousal relationship problems. We have work relationship problems. We have, um, everybody's okay back there. We have, um, <laughs> we have um, trauma that's occurred to us in our real trauma. And I'm not minimizing that. We have real things that have gone on in our life. All of that is real, and I'm not asking you to act like it's not. But what we are gonna do is think about where we've put it. Where have we put those things? Um, we need to think about who's using it. How are you using it? How is God using it? Probably not much. And how is the enemy using it? Those places where we've got these things that we've held on to. So I want to look at that. We have to look at what Jesus did in, the, in this idea of how do I move forward, right? How do I get out of the stuck place? If you watch, if you look through the Gospels, Jesus didn't stay in the same place very long. He didn't get stuck. He didn't get stuck in the place of wreckage or damage, right? There was all kinds of damage going on around him, all kinds of persecution going on around him, all kinds of things happening that he was ministering to and then some of it he couldn't minister to. And we see that in the Gospels, but he never stayed put. He never stayed in the place place. Um, they went, the people went forward in the Gospels with no hesitation. And I want to talk to you about that out of Luke for a minute. The, the, disi the disciples had a, a, an interesting conversation with Jesus about this, about 
but we just saw a miracle and we just saw something great happen or we just saw something horrible happen and something is crazy and sorrowful here and would have thought I need to stay here and work on that and work through that and fix that and Jesus said let's go come on let, let's head out right so I want to read you this passage out of Luke uh, 9 um, and I want to talk to you about it for a second sorry I'm doing this handheld mic which is keeping me from moving which is good for you all but it's hard for me because everything about my legs wants to move right now and um, those of you who know me understand that right so I want to talk to you out of Luke 9 just ignore all my papers falling um, and, and the, actually the title of this part of Luke is the cost of following Jesus. If you have a Bible that breaks up the passages into titles. And I want to talk to you about what, what this says. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Think about if you've ever said that and what that means. That's a pretty loaded statement. I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another person, come and follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. And Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, the reason I read that scripture to you is that Jesus wasn't telling them that to be cruel or harsh, right? To say, I don't understand your needs and the things around you and the things that are important to you. But what he was saying to them is that if you don't move forward with me, the enemy is going to use whatever that thing that you're trying to go back to whatever hold it has on you, the enemy's going to use that and I won't be able to flow my blessing out to you because you're stuck there. Now those aren't bad things, right? When you read that scripture and you think, but they wanted to take care of their family. They wanted to do these things. Jesus wasn't saying to them, those are bad wishes. What he was saying is, we'll take care of that right, through the power of God, I need you to come with me. I need you to follow me. You can't say stuck there because two reasons. One is you can't reap the benefit from me if you're stuck and focused on something else. And the second thing is the enemy will come for you when you're stuck in that place and that's what you're focused on instead of, of following Jesus. He was saying you have to focus on me. He also knew that their excuses were going to keep them stuck right? We can become comfortable in that. I need to do this. It has to be me. I have responsibility for this or it's hurt me. Nobody else understands that. I have to stay here until I get it cleaned up. Well, newsflash, you're not going to get it cleaned up by yourself. And the enemy is coming to that place to say, great, you are useless to the kingdom of God because you are focused in the wrong place. And there's nothing better than a Christian focused on something other than Jesus because you are a playground for the enemy's work in your thoughts, in your actions, and in your inaction. And we have to think about that. Where do I stay stuck? And listen, I am not impugning the idea of healing. I talk to you guys about that all the time and I'm all about this idea of healing. What I'm not about is going to the place where we need the healing and building a monument and standing there. 
and saying, this is where I'm going to stay, this is what I need, and I'm going to stay right here. And Jesus is saying, what you need isn't right there, and oh, by the way, I can't get to you right there, because you're not looking. You're looking in at the pain and the trauma and the wreckage, and you're looking backwards at what was and what occurred, and I can't get you to see what's in front of you. And that's what Jesus was telling the disciples in Luke. It wasn't this idea of those things are not important and they're not real. Jesus isn't telling you that either. What he's saying is, I can't do anything with you if that's where your focus is. But I can get in there and help you with those things when you focus on me and we walk out. Right? The interesting part was is that the things that the disciples were worried about, and if you read through the Gospels and see the rhythm of that, those things got taken care of by the power of God, right, in other ways. The things that we tend to be the most focused on and build the monument to and stay there never get taken care of by that action. Think back at the places where you've stayed stuck over and over. I'm going to heal this here. I'm not doing anything till this gets better. I'm not doing anything till this person apologizes to me. I'm not doing anything till this situation resolves. I'm staying right here. When has that ever worked? And some of you guys are eight years in that spot, just from my knowledge, because I know you. And I've had the conversation over and over and over. And oh, by the way, I talked to you all about that a few months ago, right? About my own PTSD from the army and how God told me, do you want to move away from the monument you've built there and let's move on? Do you want to get after this or not? Right? So I'm right in there with you. This isn't, a, this isn't an accusatory thing. This is a convicting thing for all of us to say, do you want to stay there or do you want to do what God's told us to do? Do you want to move? Do we want to look at the way that Jesus looked at the healing process and the pain process, but, but conversely, also the way that he looked at the blessing process. As you look through the Gospels, you'll see Jesus gave the blessing and went. Some of us want to stay in the place of last blessing as well. We're thinking, ah, this is pretty comfortable. This is where Jesus blessed me last. I'm going to stay right here. Jesus doesn't need you to be geographically set in one spot for him to bless you. He doesn't care about that. And what happens is, same thing, we build a monument to the blessing and we stay right there and it's all we're focused on. This was the last thing Jesus did for me and I'm going to stay right here. This is where I feel comfortable. He can't continue to bless you in that place. That place is done. We're finished with that place. God has another place to move you to, other people for you to interact with, other things for you to receive, and oh, by the way, other things for you to give. One of the main things I want to talk, I want, I want to emphasize today and make sure that we get is we're thinking about this, where's my focus, where have I built monuments? We have got to stop making it all about us. How many of us sit every day and think, if only this would happen for me, if only I would get this, if only this would occur, I would be happy? If you look in the Gospels at how many times Jesus scolded the disciples for that thought process, not because he didn't love them and because he didn't want to bless them and because he didn't want them to have those things, but he knew that the road to those things was up and out towards him serving the kingdom of God, having a sovereign mindset about who God is and what he created you to do. And he did not create you to build a monument and stay in your place of wreckage and destruction or to build a monument and stay in your place of last blessing because he has more. It's an infinite pool of blessing and you are missing it. You're missing it. How many Christians do you know that are not living fulfilled lives, that are depressed and unhappy and anxious and sad and worried and fearful? And all those emotions are valid and they exist in all of us, but why are we living mired in them? 
when you are a chosen child of God and you have this book to show you how to move out of those places. This is a good book. We should read it, right? People ask me all the time, what's a book I can read? And I was thinking about this because generally, like I'm a book nerd and I'll say, oh, you should read this. You should read that. And God's really convicted me. Uh, Marcy, could you maybe just tell him to pick this up? Like, let's just read this. It's a good book, right? It has all kinds of instruction for us how to do these things that seem really hard. And like, there's just no way we can get to them, right? In Luke 10, even after we see um, what I read to you in Luke 9, if you go further into Luke 10, we see that Jesus sends his disciples out. Listen, he did not take a poll to see who had crap going on in their lives. Do you have stuff going on? Are you available? Would it be okay? No. Go. Let's move. You are stuck here, stuck in the things that you thought were important. I need you to move. He said, I give you power to do what you need to do. That's what we think is, I don't have the power. I don't have the capability. Baloney. If you look at the way that he did things, that's a really, that's a really kind word for me, baloney. I would say something else in other settings, but I'm going to say baloney to you guys. Um, the, he's going to give you that. Listen, if you look in the Gospels, they had the same human junk. You are not unique. Your junk is not unique. I hear people say all the time, but does God know? Yes, he knows what's going on in your life. He knows what he has for you in the future. He sees it all. He's not confused. There's been many times in my life where he's told me to do something. I've thought, but do you know I have a nine-year-old? Uh, yeah, I think I gave her to you. I'm pretty aware that you're responsible for her, right? But it often becomes that excuse in my head, but I have a nine-year-old. What, what about this? What about that, right? And then there's all kinds of other stuff. That's a, that's a surface one, but... They had the same stuff, and because God showed them that he could restore it, they allowed themselves to be taken to a place where they could see God's power, and he could come through, then they were able to move forward. And the things that, they, that had happened so far in their lives became less important than what God had for them, because they were able to walk and see it. Healing and restoration for you is very different to God. He wants you to heal and be restored for a very different reason than you do. We want comfort. We want to feel good. We want all the things that we think are going to make us happy. We want the cultural norm, right? Married and kids and, and the great job and the great whatever, right? We can all name all of that stuff. God's like, we have to get about the business of leaving the burnout place because I need you to do the kingdom work. And some of that angst, some of that fear, some of that anxiety is a driver. It's a driver, Stop trying to get rid of all of it. Stop trying to get it all worked out before you start moving forward with God. He doesn't require that. He didn't tell you to do that. And if you look in the Gospels and read about the disciples, they were a jumbled up mess, right? And Jesus just took it and said, let's go. There's work for you to do. And they did the kingdom work that they had to do in the middle of the jumbled up mess. Listen, we can claim this place with God as a secure place where the enemy isn't welcome. So you can keep your burnout spot and your monument to whatever, whether it's the damage or the blessing, and you can stay there and the enemy has access. Or you can choose to close that place up, move, and the enemy won't have access. It's important to understand that you have a choice and that you don't have to allow the enemy access to those places in your life, whether it's the blessing or the bad. You don't have to allow that. When we heal ourselves, which is incredibly important, when we heal ourselves in service to God, 
not heal ourselves in service to us. When we heal ourselves in service to God, then we offend those that benefit from our brokenness. And who benefits the most from your brokenness? The enemy. And he's going to use that all day long. Don't be confused. If you think to yourself, I'm not doing much for the kingdom of God, but I'm working on myself, and that's okay. It's protected. No, it isn't. The enemy is in there. He's in that place because it's not protected. We have to battle out of that place and leave the enemy there. Say, you get to stay here. You sit in my wreckage. You sit in this. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm out of here, right? He wants you to stay in the wreckage or build a monument there because it's the last good thing you'll ever experience or it's the worst thing that'll keep you focused and right there. And he doesn't have to worry about you getting past it because you're staying there, right? When we take a break from God and we start to internally focus on ourselves and think we're the only thing that, that matters and we got to get this done and we're so individually focused, we spiritually die. There's no way to do both. You cannot be inwardly focused constantly and worried about what's going on with you and not what's going on with the kingdom and keep your spiritual life flourishing. It isn't possible. So I'm not telling you not to focus on the healing. I'm telling you to do it with the power of God moving forward in kingdom work. They're in tandem. It is not one or the other. I'm not, you know, I don't want people to call me after this and say, but you told me not to worry about my healing. That's not what I'm saying. Right? Understand God wants you to heal, but the power will come from him to do it. And the focus that you have will make a difference in whether you get to do it undeterred by the enemy or with the enemy fully in it. You'll find what you've trained your heart to look for, right? If you train your heart to stay in that place of looking for the last blessing or looking for the last damage, then that's where you'll go. We have to retrain our hearts, right? Revisit where you last met him. Did the marching orders change? Has he told you something different? Or is the promise still in place and you just need to claim it and keep moving? Revisit where you last heard him. Revisit where you last met him. If you need help with that, that's what community's for. To say, help me get ushered into the presence of God so that I can sit with him. Who cares what I think you ought to be doing? Who cares what the person next to you thinks you ought to be doing? Go to God. Now, I'll sit right there with you, but that's where we're going. It doesn't matter what we think. And if we're not going there and letting him or come in and occupy that space with us, then the enemy is occupying it because there's an empty seat and somebody's occupying it. And you have a choice, but you need to look over there and ask who's occupying it. Who's speaking to me, right? Is it God or is it the enemy? Where will you encounter him? Now, listen, I am not impugning the things that we spend time on. I understand that Instagram is fun. I understand that Netflix is fun and happy hour is fun and all these things. But are you encountering God there? We've had this conversation before that you must go where you will encounter God. You must find the place where you will encounter him. Where do you pray for wisdom, right? We have to get to work on the place that Jesus spent his time. We have to think about it. Look through the gospels and figure out where Jesus spent his time. And you start spending time there too. I'm not saying not to do any of the other stuff, but you got to look at that. The enemy is keeping you stuck and we are focused in the wrong place. When we make a decision to get out of there, we let God's power out. Because his power can't come out while you're staying there. What's he going to do with it? Right? And that's one of the reasons Jesus told the disciples, if you put your hand to the plow and look behind you, you're done. Because the power gets stopped there. So we have to stay in that place. Listen, we just went through Advent and Christmas. Advent and Christmas were the intervention in the human mess. That was God's intervention for you. Pay attention to that. You now have the whole portion of the Bible that shows you what Jesus focused on and what he did. It's not confusing. We get to look at that. Um, as I was writing this, 
um, sermon, and you guys know I'm usually heavy military analogy, so I'm going to use one here too, because this really came through to me pretty loud when I was looking at this. When we would be on a mission in Iraq, and a, and a vehicle would get blown up, or something would happen, and we would have wreckage, right? We would have casualties, or we would have people hurt, or whatever it was. We cleared the area quickly. We cleared the people out quickly, right? Got them out of that area. We did not care for them there. I didn't care for them in what we call the hot zone while the IED's going off and they're bleeding out. We medevac them out to another place. And then we have a vehicle wreckage sitting there, right? So we had two choices. You can take that vehicle and hook it up on chains, this wrecked, destroyed vehicle, and drag it while the enemy is in pursuit. And you can worry about that thing and you can try to take that wreckage with you. Or you can do what we used to do was blow it in place. So we would take an incendiary grenade and we would throw it in place. And the, and the vehicle would be destroyed and it's useless to us and it's useless to the enemy. Right? And so people would say, but it was useless to you. That's okay. Because the better, the better benefit was it was now useless to the enemy. And it wasn't dragging us. We weren't dragging that thing with us, right? And taking it down the road with us, slowing us down, changing our focus, having to get out and retether that thing. For what? What is the value of that in the mission, right? What are we doing? And conversely, when we had a mission that went well, it wouldn't be, we call it, we call it the rotation or the trigger point, if your mission was complete, it wasn't 20 seconds before your next mission was issued. Nobody was sitting in Iraq thinking, woo, we got some time off. Like, let's hang out, right? And I, and I use Iraq as an analogy because we're in a battle for the kingdom of God. And we don't have time to drag the wreckage around and we don't have time to sit and wait for the next mission. Ask for it, get your orders, and let's go. There's no reason to stay there. No one was going to come out to me in the middle of the road with my blown up vehicle and be like, are you okay? Let's talk about this for about three years. And then, let's get moving. No, let's go. God will do what he needs to do while you're in movement. I can promise you that. And the enemy can't pursue you, right? Because you are now moving at the power of God. You are moving faster. If we left the vehicle in place, then, the, then we could move at a, at a speed that the enemy could not keep up with us. You have to think about that. And oh, by the way... What is your incendiary device? It's right here. I'm not asking you to go on Guns and Ammo website and buy some grenades. As a matter of fact, that's probably not a good idea, right? And some of y'all are like, but that would be fun. Okay, I understand. But this is your incendiary device. This is where you go to the place of wreckage or you go to the place of blessing and you throw this in and you see what God has for you next. Get in here and use it as the weapon God intended it for to be. It is a tool. And we don't use it as a tool. As a matter of fact, I want you to think about where this is in your house and how much it gets picked up. Where is it? And how much do you look at it? How much do you think about it? And then, just for fun, let's think about where this is and how much we look at this, and then I want you to clock your screen time, right, for other stuff. Let's think about that. Let's think about what we're doing. What could we have salvaged from the enemy? I want you to think about that too. When you're in a place of blessing or you're in these places, I want you to take the good and chuck the bad. 
I don't, there's not ever a place in your life that God doesn't have something you can take out. You have to pray about that. Say, what is it that you want me to take? Some wisdom, some courage, some, some healing, whatever that is. I want to take that out and then move on. But if you take a piece of the wreckage merely to hold on to it, merely to remind you, not to propel you to action, then we have a problem. We don't take a piece of the wreckage with us to remind us of that place. We take the good things that God had for us out and then we move on. It's all or nothing, right? Don't go to that place of wreckage and take a burnout piece as a souvenir or an idol and then move on with it. Leave it and let it sit there, right? What are the consequences of taking something with us? It's just exactly what Jesus said to the disciples. No, come with me empty-handed. I will give you what you need. And if your hands already have something in them, how are you going to take what I want you to have? You have to think about what you're holding, what you're holding on to, and how does God give you something else? It's hard to do that when you're holding on to something, right? So once we have unloaded the burnout carcass of whatever that is, um, of our past, and we can move forward, then we need to look at a story. I'm going I'm to talk to you real quickly about a story out of Exodus with the Israelites, because I want to talk to you about how they were told to go. I want you guys to understand this idea of the way God spoke to the Israelites, because he speaks to me this way too. And I think it's interesting sometimes when he doesn't jack around, like there's no mincing of words. He's not like, well, let's think about this. Let me think about how maybe we can do this thing. He's pretty clear with them, right? So I'm going to speak to you from a, a military analogy here too, just because it makes sense to me. But when we were in Iraq or when we were on mission, we had this idea of not taking our boots off. You were not allowed to remove your boots, right? So we slept in our boots. I mean, you could take them off. You're going to take a shower, but that was few and far between. So usually you're just dumping water over your head. Um, so yeah, I know people are like, ew, I get it. We change our socks sometimes, but then you put your boots back on. But there was times you didn't even change your socks because listen to what happens when you're on mission and you take your boots off. Everything swells. Everything swells. And you know how hard when you take your boots off in that place of destruction or that place of blessing, how hard it is to get your boots back on so you can go. We got to think about this idea of keeping our boots off so we don't swell, right? Talk about, or keeping our boots on. I'm going to talk to you about this from Exodus 14, and you probably know the story. You guys have heard the story out of Exodus where Moses parts the Red Sea, right? And he, talk, and he, and he tells the Israelites what to do. The miraculous parting of the Red Sea. And God's in the midst of delivering the Israelites from Egyptian slavery and Egyptian um, confine there and he's leading them out of Egypt and he's telling them what to do and if you go back in Exodus you'll see like the idea the portion before they left out of Israel was I mean out of Egypt was crazy right there was locusts and gnats and frogs and all these things went on all this stuff happened and we think to ourselves like all oh, this stuff is going on in the world right now I just can't get out from under it it's too much well if you look in Exodus there's a there was a whole lot of stuff going on there too that they were trying to get out from under that God was trying to pull them out of so that he could then give them blessing. So we look at that here. There was a plethora of events that were going on, but they were being pursued by the enemy, right? The Pharaoh was pursuing them. He kept changing his mind. You can go. No, you can't go. You can go. You can't go. And the enemy was using that in the Israelites' minds to confuse them and make them question God and make them question God's power. Um, and the Egyptians finally came to their senses and, and propelled the Israelites out because they figured out that their God was powerful. But I want, I want you to think about this for a second as I read this to you. Um, they, they were escaping, right? So we're going to start in, in Exodus 14, uh, verse 19. It said, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. 
I know it's hard. I know you've just been in Egyptian slavery. I know I just sent like 52 different plagues down on the Egyptians and you had to be in the middle of that as well. I know what I have for you when you leave. And he didn't say to Moses, oh, what can I help you with? He said, get up and move. He didn't say, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Let's talk about this for five years. No. He said, I told you what to do. Let's go. Not because God didn't care about Moses and the Israelites. Quite the opposite. He cared so much and he was so concerned of the blessing they were going to miss that he had to propel them in the most obvious way. Let's go. We have to move. We have to get out of here. He knew what he had planned to do. He already knew the outcome, just like he knows the outcome with you. He knows where you're going to. You don't. That's okay. That's okay because, oh, by the way, if you did know where you were going, you would screw it up, right? Because you're a human and you would think, oh, wait a minute. We're educated way beyond our level of obedience, right? Because then we want to think, wait a minute. I know better. I'm the one sitting in my life. I know everything has gone on. I know everything I need. God doesn't know. God, he's not sitting here. God's like, I told you to move. I know exactly what I have planned for you. And oh, by the way, God knew that the Pharaoh was pursuing the Israelites and he knows the enemy is pursuing you. He has not been vague about that in the Bible at all. The enemy is pursuing you, right? Then in the next verse after that, he takes us back and he says, but remember, God had already told them what was going to happen. He had already said, go. I've already told you where you're going. They even did have a sliver of knowing, right? Sometimes we don't want to sit in the ambiguity, but they even had a sliver of it. And they were like, well, let me think about that. Let me question that, right? We, we have this saying in the army, and I'm going to soften it for this room. Because then someone won't be able to put this out on the, on the internet. But the army says, life is hard, suck it up. That's exactly what God was saying right there to them. This is hard. Suck it up. I have work for you to do. Let's go. Let's go. I'll take care of you. I'll give you what you need. I'll heal you. I'll give you the power for what you need. And oh, by the way, some of those places of destruction I need to use for other things in my kingdom. So stop trying to completely get rid of it. Ask me what I want you to do with it. Ask me what I want you to do with the blessing. Why did I give you the blessing? I assure you it wasn't just for you. Right? If you look in the Bible, the blessing that Jesus and, and God and Jesus bestowed on people as you look through the, the entirety of the Bible was never just for them. Find me one place where God bestowed blessing that was just for the person. Never. There was always another implication to that for something else in his kingdom. And we have to be careful about taking that blessing and holding it. It's mine. No, it isn't. And oh, by the way, that blessing God gave you when not submitted back to God becomes a playground for the enemy, I promise you. I promise you, anything not submitted back to God, anything not completely following him, the enemy will play with. Don't be confused. People say that to me all the time, but I know God gave this to me. Yes, he did. And then you turned around and had a conversation with the enemy about what to do with it. And now the enemy is running that blessing, not God. And every blessing eventually will become a curse when the enemy is the one in charge of it and not God. I can promise you that. The money, the paycheck, the family, the spouse, whatever it is, if you don't center it on God and you're not moving forward in his kingdom work, the enemy takes over and that blessing becomes his playground. And it's slow and it's insidious and you don't even realize it until later when you're thinking, oh my gosh, how did I get here? When did I get in this place? 
God's mission is not our comfort, and it isn't even our complete healing in some cases. I want you to understand that. You are human. There is no complete healing. There isn't. But what there is, is for us to actively serve his kingdom and for him to give us the thing that he needs us to have. He will provide the provision, the energy, the power for anything that he wants you to do. He will. I can promise you that, right? The Israelites at one point asked, the Israelites asked Moses at one point, like, why didn't you just bury us in Egypt? This is too hard. Why didn't you just bury us there? Why do we have to go through this? Because it's unknown and I feel persecuted and I feel like I'm a victim and I feel like these things are hard, right? And God said, move. Some of the things that are hard are a blessing. You just don't see it that way. You have to wait till God can play that fully out, right? The enemy's chasing you today. He may not be a physical army and you may not be able to physically see him, but he is in pursuit of you, I promise you. And the only way to counter that is for you to be in pursuit of God. There is no other way to counter it. You pursue God, you get his power in place and the enemy will be thwarted every time. But if you fail to put the power of God in place, the enemy gains ground every time. And then, and then you're so far gone that the idea of coming back to God gets more and more nebulous, more fills in, right? It's that idea of like New York City. We were up in Times Square the other night and I was watching the crowd fill in, right? All this stuff just starts filling in between you and God if you're not actively paying attention and actively pursuing. If you don't want to drown, then keep moving, right? It was that idea of don't take your boots off. If you don't want to settle in place and miss everything he has for you, then we have to keep moving. We have to pray for him to reveal our plans, or his plans. Listen, sometimes we need to quit praying for the healing and quit praying for the symptom and pray for God to reveal his plan and what he has for you next. The prayer needs to shift. Sometimes we just need to pray for God, what do you have for me? Not, God, can you please do this checklist for me? Right, let's open up the scope there so we're not frozen in yesterday. We have to do that. Um, there's a, you know, there's a, a, a lot of people that I listen to, a lot of preachers, a lot of books I read. Joyce Myers is one of them and she says all the time, if you're looking for a new word from God and you're not getting one, maybe go back to the last thing he told you and start from there, right? Go back to the last thing he said because maybe it hasn't changed. Sometimes we would radio in in the army and say mission check and they'd say no change. And this might go on for days or weeks or months, right? Because there's no change. What I told you last is what I need you to do. Sometimes that's what God's saying. That's what he was saying to Moses. Stop crying out to me. I already told you what to do. Let's go. And oh, by the way, there's a piece of that that I want you to really think about. There's an obedience piece to that. If he told you to do something to get in obedience to him and to get aligned with him and you haven't done it, stop going back and asking for something else because that's the answer to the prayer. Here's what he wants you to do. He can't move you forward in blessing and in kingdom work until you do the last thing he told you to do. And people will say to me, but I need to pray about this again. No, you don't. He already told you, you haven't done it. Let's figure that out. Happy to walk that out with you. But why are we praying again for a different instruction when you haven't completed the instruction he already gave you? And I talk about that from personal experience because he tells me that all the time. I already told you what to do. Stop coming back to me, right? I love you. You're making me mad. I already said, here's what needs to be done, right? Go back to the last place that he spoke to you. So I want you to think about a couple of things. Assess where you're sitting in the wreckage. I'm not saying it's not painful and doesn't have a hold on you, but I am saying that we have a way to release it. 
We have a, relay, a way to release the chains that you have hooked up to drag your wreckage around the rest of your life. We have a way to release it, and we're happy to get in that with you. Community group leaders will get in that with you. Our prayer team will get in that with you. The community will get in that with you. I'm not asking you to do that by yourself, but I do want you to find out where your chains are hooked up, and we are going to take them off, and we're going to leave the wreckage where God intends for it to be left, and we're going to move forward. So I want you to think about where your wreckage is, and then I want you to tell me where your boots are. Are they on your spiritual boots, right? The boots of kingdom work, and I know that sounds silly, but we're, we're, we're walking around in worldly boots, right? The boots of, I need to move further up in this job. I need to move further up in this place. I need this. I need that. I need this. And God's like, you just need to put on the boots of the kingdom and do what I told you to do. Everything else will work itself out. Make a decision not to be stuck. This is critically important to me. And when I was praying about this this morning before I left the hotel, I almost was teary about it. And I only say that because I don't get teary. That's not my thing. Um, if we don't do this, we will miss everything God has for us. We will miss everything he has for this church. You have to listen to the plans God has for you. You have to be willing to move forward. You have to be willing to move out of the place of destruction and follow Jesus into the place of blessing, into the next thing. And there might be something hard in that next place too, and that's okay. We can't stay where we were because of fear of what's ahead. We can't do that. And that's what Jesus told the disciples over and over again. Fear not, you have to move forward. And if the fear is freezing you, then tell me that. If you've got something that's in the way, then tell me that, and we'll help you with that. But we've got to throw the grenade, and we have to do it now. God's been telling me repeatedly, this is the year to focus on me. I understand there's been other things to focus on. He gets that, and he gets how hard the last two years have been. And he gets that it's still confusing and causes angst and causes anxiety because it just won't stop, right? All of the stuff. Listen, it's not going to stop. You live in the human world and you have a choice. What am I going to do while I live here in this world serving that God? You have a choice. I want you to make a decision not to stay stuck. God's already given you everything that he need, that you need. He already sent his son. He showed you his ministry and wrote it down for you. His son died and was resurrected and is sitting at his right hand. That is everything you need. When you go to God and say, but here's what I need, he says, I already gave you everything you need. Employ it. Put it in place. You already have everything you need. Listen, we're going to have prayer team in the back this morning, and I, and I want to switch up the way we're going to do communion this morning, because here's what I want to say. If something has made you uncomfortable while we're sitting here today, don't ignore it. If your spirit is unsettled somewhere, don't ignore it. Go back, say it out loud, and let's get it prayed over. The enemy is here right now, and here's what he's hoping, that everybody says, ah, I feel that niggling, I feel that unsettled spirit, but I'm just going to ignore it. And the enemy's like, yes, 2022 is mine too. I get to keep that person right in the same spot and God loses. In his own house, he loses. Right? Because I'm too afraid to move out of that place. I'm too afraid to say it out loud. I'm too afraid to admit it. I'm too afraid to give up that place where I'm comfortable, even if it's uncomfortable. 
I want you to go back to the prayer team and say the thing out loud that you know you're holding on to, the wreckage you're sitting in, the last blessing you're holding on to, that you've lost your boots and have no idea where they are, then let's find them. Let's figure it out together. So before we go into communion, and, we, and Logan will come up and, and do that um, after we do our prayer time, I want the prayer team to go to the back. I'm going to pray over you for a minute. And then I want you guys to go pray with somebody. Say the thing out loud. It loses power when you speak it out loud and it's prayed over. There's already movement forward right there before you ever leave this room today. And I want to make sure that we admit that stuff to each other, that we hold each other accountable for that stuff. So I want you to think about that. Where are you trying to heal and hide? We have a choice. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for these people. I'm so grateful that I get to be among them. But Lord, I'm so burdened by what you've said. The enemy is winning. And you are in pursuit of your people. You are trying so hard to get our attention. You are trying so hard to refocus us. We have responsibility to each other to get in that together. Lord, I ask for your presence in a huge way during this prayer time today that each person would be able to tangibly feel you, that they'd be able to speak directly to you, that your presence would feel new to them, that it would feel energized and active. They would leave this room today going into their week knowing you have work for them to do, you have plans for them. We're grateful, Lord. We offer this room up to you. This time is yours. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen.